Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. Several people sent me a story uh, involving the Institute for Justice, another case they're handling. Uh, those people do great work. Lawsuit challenging Meridian's ban on tiny homes moves forward. Tiny homes, that's actually a category in case you didn't know this, but uh, it's been a trend in the last few years. People out there will manufacture a tiny home, small home, that can be put on a very small piece of property. And uh, you can live in this tiny home. And if you look at one, especially nowadays, they're designed to make extremely efficient use of the space. They put a lot of cool stuff in there. Now, it's not a mobile home in that sense. It's not an RV. It's designed to be placed someplace and then just left there. So you could use it as a second home if you had a piece of property out in the middle of nowhere and you wanted to get it out there instead of having to build something on site. I actually interviewed a guy who runs a company that builds these here in Michigan, and I saw some of the stuff he works on, and it's amazing how, how they figure out what they can fit inside there and have it work efficiently. So these things are popular. Um, many of those home channels on cable, you know, the 900 channels you got, <laughs> will have shows about tiny homes. And so I urge you to check one out just to see what they are if you don't know. But CBS2 news staff out of Idaho runs this story. Today, and this is a couple days ago, Judge Jason D. Scott of the District Court of Ada County ruled that a woman's lawsuit against Meridian's ban on tiny homes on wheels could move forward. Now, the home actually has wheels on it. I don't think that's part of the story in the sense that whether her home had wheels or not, I think they'd still be upset. But the court denied her motion for emergency relief that would have allowed her to live in the home while the lawsuit proceeds. So she's represented by the Institute for Justice in her challenge against the city's ban. So what happened was she had the tiny home. They came by and said, you cannot live there. If you live there, you're going to get fined. So she moved out, got the Institute for Justice involved. They filed a lawsuit. The, uh, I believe the city tried to get the lawsuit thrown out. And the Institute for Justice fought that, but also said, can she live there while we're litigating this? And the judge said no. And that's disappointing, but she's a native of the Treasure Valley who was priced out of the traditional Boise real estate market, but she found a way to continue living in the area she calls home. She bought a tiny home. She arranged to park on another person's property, uh, and she's going to pay them a modest rent. So she got the permission to do that. She was paying the guy rent. Although both of those people, that is she, the owner of the tiny home, and the landowner, which is the land underneath the tiny home, were both happy with the arrangement. The city was not. Uh, code enforcement threatened her and the landowner with fines and jail time if she didn't leave. So the two of them filed the lawsuit in August challenging the city's ban for violating the Idaho Constitution. So the state constitutions in play here, I've mentioned before, Quite often you have federal constitutional issues, but you can have state constitutional issues also. I'm not familiar with the Idaho Constitution. The city made several arguments for why the lawsuit should be thrown out. The court rejected almost all of them and allows the lawsuit to proceed. I'm disappointed because I really wish I was living in my home again, uh, said the woman, but I have high hopes that in the end something good will happen. And I appreciate that the judge is so engaged with the case because this is something that affects a lot of people in the housing crisis. Now, the city can't argue that her home would affect the appearance of the neighborhood since it's legal to keep her tiny home where it's parked. She just can't live in it. So you're allowed to have one there. She just can't live in it. Her tiny home sits also in an area where there are other RVs and trailers. 
And apparently some people are living in those. And so the question then becomes, what's the distinction between a tiny home and an RV or a trailer? And by the way, given the choice between living in a tiny home or an RV, you're better off in the tiny home. Many people don't know this, so I'll be the one to tell you. RVs are not built for long-term living. Most RVs are not. So if you want to buy an RV and travel the country and sell your home and live in your RV, you need to spend a lot more than you probably think because they don't build RVs to the same standards they build homes to. They simply don't. That's a well-known fact in the RV industry. And so the tiny homes are built to be lived in. They're, They're built better. They are. So she can't live in it, but theoretically she could leave it there and it would blend in with the other RVs and trailers in the neighborhood. The lawsuit has five allegations as to why the ban on tiny homes was unconstitutional. Court allowed four of the five to proceed. Now, the attorney from the Institute for Justice, Bob Belden, said we're encouraged that the claims live to see another day and ultimately will be tested on their merits. Making our client homeless does nothing to improve public health, safety, or welfare in Meridian, and it certainly hasn't improved her living conditions. The lawsuit also brings a free speech claim regarding retaliation by the Meridian Code Enforcement Officer, which we'll get to in a second. The woman says that after the Idaho Statesman newspaper covered her story, which painted one code enforcer in an unflattering light, that code enforcement officer cited both the woman and the landlord for alleged parking violations. And she said that was to retaliate against them for the press coverage. The judge allowed that claim to proceed. We are committed to vindicating her rights to live in her home and are optimistic about the next steps, says IJ Senior Attorney Dan Alban. Everyone needs a place to live. Cities should be making it easier, not harder, for residents to find an affordable place to live, particularly during a housing crisis. Now, that's a story from CBS News. Now, I got more detail from the Institute for Justice website, ij.org. And they point out that the housing crisis has hit every corner of the country, and few places have been hit as hard as the Boise area, where housing prices increased 118% in the five-year period ending in 2022. That is more than double the national increase of 50% during the same time period. Uh, The increase has been driven by the discovery of the region's quality of life and the fact that new homes haven't popped up quickly enough to keep up with demand. Now, the woman here is a native of the Treasure Valley, has a savvy solution to owning a home after being priced out of the market. She bought a beautiful 252-square-foot tiny house on wheels and found a local Meridian homeowner who let her park it on his property, and she was going to pay him $6 a month to park it there, uh, which, of course, would seem like a win for everyone, uh, but no. In May of 2022, the day after she moved in, a code enforcement officer threatened both her and her landlord with criminal prosecution fines of $1,000 per day unless she moved out of her tiny house. Now, Meridian's city code allows tiny homes on wheels and RVs to be parked in residential neighborhoods, but bans actually living in them except in RV parks. Now, when the two of them pointed out that other people are living in tiny homes and RVs in the neighborhood, the code enforcement officer said that other neighbors were allowed to violate the code because they've lived there for a long time, while the landlord just arrived in the neighborhood from California, which of course makes no legal sense or any sense at all. And so, It can't be a safety issue. 
It cannot be a safety issue because if it was a safety issue, they'd have to say those other people can't do it either. And so they're saying, well, they've been grandfathered in. Well, if they've been grandfathered in and it's not a safety issue, then what is it? And it's going to boil down to someone to go, well, we just don't want people living in tiny homes or RVs if we can prevent it because we're worried that more and more of those will come in. And, well, if more and more of them come in and they're illegal, there's not a problem with that. And if you let some people live in them and not other people live in them, and it's not a safety issue, then why are you doing it? And so it's a strange thing. And I guess my question is, and it would depend on how this statute is worded, the code actually that they're trying to enforce here, because I know that some towns, cities, municipalities, etc., have rules on, on how big living spaces are supposed to be. So if you go into uh, the building department and say, I propose to build a house, it's going to be 10 square feet. <laughs> they go, okay, you can't do that. You can't do that. because you, 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 I mean, you can build it, but you can't live in it. You know? and, and they're going to have rules on what, the, what these lower limits are. And so they're going to say, well, that's a safety thing, obviously, because you know, for a home to be habitable, it's got to have several things in there. And it's going to need room for those things. But the interesting thing about these tiny homes is they very cleverly fit all this stuff in a very small space. And so my number one question is, if she removed the wheels and simply just, it's a small house, is the problem then that it's underneath the square footage requirement? Because everybody knows, and I, I, I can think of many examples of this, of areas where there are building codes that supposedly have these lower limits of what you can, cannot do with respect to living in a place. College towns are famous for this. Uh, I've, I knew people in college towns when I was growing up where some business would say, okay, we've got a two-story house downtown and it's zoned business. The bottom floor of the house is a store. The upper floor of the house, they rent out to college students. And quite often what happens is they will simply sign one lease for somebody and just say the rent up there is going to be this amount of money. And then what happens is that one person who signs the lease gets a bunch of roommates. And I've known of situations before there's like eight people living in a place that has theoretically two bedrooms. And uh, none of them are related to each other. And many, many cities have rules against that also. Uh, the question is how enforceable they are. And um, I've seen some of these situations where I've visited somebody and I'm looking around going, wait, you guys live here? This place is a death trap. You know, and so they're often not enforcing those rules in college towns because there's a housing shortage. And if you were to actually enforce the rules on that, you'd have like homeless students. So a lot of times these rules are on the books and they haven't been enforced in so long that you have a situation where they say, oh, well, some of these people we just didn't bother before because they were, they were already here. What? <laughs> the rules have always been on the books. You, you don't grandfather in people who've been breaking the rules all along. But another story altogether. So we'll see what's going to happen. But the Institute for Justice does great work. I always say this. The link to them is ij.org. And I've also mentioned before that you can donate to them. And you can also donate to them through Amazon, where you just simply click a link through Amazon. And when you place an order through Amazon, Amazon slices off a portion of the price and just sends it to IJ. And it doesn't cost you anything. It costs... Mr. Bezos money, but not you. So, you know, if you like the I, you know, the Institute for Justice, you can do that and it, it doesn't cost you anything. 
as long as you buy stuff from Amazon. And now someone told me, I should probably point this out, that when you order through Amazon and you want the slice to go to the Institute for Justice, you got to log in through your own uh, URL. They have you set up a URL that'll do that for you. Uh, but apparently you can get extensions, and I don't know anything about these, but Firefox or Chrome have extensions that you can put on uh, your browser that allow you to click there and it'll take you there immediately without having to go through a separate URL with the other way. <laughs> Someone just said, Steve, mention the extension. So I just did. <laughs> Obviously, I've got no idea what I'm talking about. But it's an interesting story. I salute the Institute for Justice on this one. Lawsuit challenging Meridian's ban on tiny homes moves forward from the CBS News staff and the Institute where I got the information. Andy, Bob, Clifford, Colleen, David all sent it. Thanks a lot. Questions or comments, put them below. Those will talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. One millionth of a mouthwash equals one microscope.